0: Let's mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. I am host of the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. I do a few other things on the side, as it were, and I'm here with Phil Graham. Thank you, my man. How are you? Uh, Phil, I think it's fair to say we're mutual fans of each other's work.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. a uh, mutual fan of yours too. Massive inspiration and you're doing
0: a ton of incredible work. Love it. Thank you. So we decided we'd do a little bit of a collaboration. We did. Um, I have some questions for you. You have some questions for me. I do indeed. Hopefully a bit of um, something comes out that maybe we didn't expect as well. <laughs> um, so I want to start, Phil, with your story because I know you're not just a guy in fitness. Yep. I know that actually you started with a, a real drive and a real purpose and there was some, something that went on in your, in your life that I think yep. really made you on mission. Yep, massively. Yep. I think there's a lot of people that they're PTs or they're business owners but they don't really know why, yep. and they don't really have a mission, and they're not really clear on what their vision is, yep. and I think you are.
1: Yeah, very much so. So tell us your story. It all started back when I was 16 years of age. And how was it now? I'm 31 now, just turned 31, and I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. i am not go into the whole story, but long story short, when you're told that you're gonna die younger and you're gonna have a lot of health complications if you don't look after it, it's a pretty big kick in the ass to start looking after yourself. Mm. And I remember the very minute that I was diagnosed, I was marched down this cold clinical corridor into, uh, if you imagine, one of those really cold clinical rooms, and there's pictures of uh, hearts and physiology all over the wall and just really traumatic stuff about diabetes complications. So I was 16 years of age, I was marched into this room, and I was literally told that I was going to have years taken off my life and that I wasn't going to be able to have a normal life. Now, a lot of the wording that I heard from the healthcare professional was could, might, possibly. There may be the potential of. And I found a lot of inspiration in that. I realized there was nothing being said that was definite. And out of all of that, that gave me hope. And then I listened very carefully to some of the main areas that I could control. And nutrition, fitness, mindset, medication, and lifestyle were those words. So immediately after that, I took it upon me to really learn as much as i could about those particular areas and my dream was to become a dietitian i wanted to work in the healthcare service and i was inspired to look at all this stuff because it was allowing me to live longer so i began to learn about it i began to know about it and i started training and i very quickly with that knowledge was able to build a great physique and i found a love for bodybuilding Uh, cut a long story short I took a bodybuilding career and I competed all over the world and won many shows from Junior Mr. Northern Ireland, Junior Mr. Ireland, right the whole way through to competing on the stage in Junior Mr. Universe, Junior Mr. Britain, and I really found something that I loved. I and love was, feeling Junior Mr.
0: Inadequacy <laughs> next to you, I was, I was, I was Junior like,
1: Mr. Matchstick. <laughs> but, but with that, I was really inspired to train and look after my health, yeah. the very thing that had been taken from me and because I was engrossed in the information and I was reading so much about it, I was equipped with a lot of knowledge. So Mm. a lot of people caught on to what I was doing, they saw the transformation, they saw what I was doing, they saw the trophies that I was winning and all the competitions, and they began to ask me, how do you get in shape, how do you do this, how do you do that? So that knowledge from being diagnosed with diabetes, I then was able to leverage into a personal training business. Long story short, I did very well as a personal trainer, built a very profitable personal training business, leveraged that into an online personal training business back when online had only just started. And I began to have a lot of fitness professionals look at me as uh, almost like a go-to. You've got the knowledge and you've built the business. Mm -hmm. So a lot of personal trainers came to me and began to ask, how do I get more clients? How do I drive my authority? How do I build my brand? And then I began to coach coaches. And on top of that, at the same time, coach them on the aspects of all the technicals of nutrition and training. So I had a very diversified kind of client. I had General Pop that I was coaching to get lean and fit and strong, and then I had the coaches. And then I remember one year, because I used to travel and speak at exhibitions all over the world, I used to talk a lot about nutrition and training. And one day after an event at a big expo in in Birmingham Body Power Expo, there was a queue of people queuing up and a large proportion of them were diabetic. And one person said to me uh, in that queue, you really need to do something with all that knowledge that you've acquired for people with diabetes. And that inspired me to go and write the Diabetic Muscle and Fitness Guide, which is the world's best-selling book on diabetes and muscle building. we created a massive community with that. Uh, online resources, uh, online membership site, online coaching. We had dietitians involved and we created a large movement for men and women that wanted to build a great physique with diabetes because it's so hard if you don't have the technical knowledge. So we built that on top of all the coaching the coaches and then the personal training which is now leveraged. So uh, you know a big big lesson from that was going from one to one to one to many, but I wouldn't be where I am now without that adversity in my life and the diabetes has fueled that and diabetes has never taken up any time and space in my mind and really uh, haven't been resentful of it. I've been very, very grateful of it. And that's a very powerful thing that's liberated me from actually letting it rule me. And it's an area of my life that I took ownership with. And I think there's a huge, huge lesson in that. And that's it.
0: Okay, so there's about three or four things I think we could dive into yeah, just in that sure. story. Before we do, I want to share with you some of the stuff I think we're going to talk about yep. so you know what's coming, because we're probably going to do another at least 45 minutes here. So we're going to talk about the wealth building and mindset side of being a personal trainer in the fitness business. It will help uh, for general wealth building, but specifically for personal trainers. Um, I think young people need to think a bit older, yep. than, um, because I think a lot of people are just looking to get paid this week or this Very month, so, yep. rather than building long-term wealth. And um, we'll talk about mindset and money, managing your emotions, scaling up, how to get noticed in a very crowded market. Yep. Let's be honest, things like personal training, online training, uh, being a, a coach or a mentor, they're quite crowded. Um, how to leverage social media, face-to-face versus online, imposter syndrome, how to stay sharp, how to avoid burnout. Yep. That's just a few things on my list, Phil. I'm very much so, um, yeah. Something you said, which I think people need to hear. I think there's a lot of people who are experiencing pain in their life and their pain is beating them down, yep. whether it's depression, anxiety, bad financial situation, yep. bad relationship situation. And they're looking at the pain as the problem. Yep. Whereas what you did was the opposite. You looked at as the, as the pain as the, the driver, fuel. the fuel, the fuel yep. exactly. And we both have a, a mutual mentor, Dr. John Demartini. Yep. And he taught me that voids create values i.e. many people's highest values in life, the things that they live for the most and identify with and strive towards are created by the voids that they have. Yep. So Oprah Winfrey was abused. She was raped. I don't know if you remember the story of Abraham Lincoln. I mean, two of his children died. He, yep. he failed and he failed and he failed and he failed. And I think he was age 52 when he became president when the average life expectancy was yep. age 35. Yep. Um, and it, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous yep. was a previous alcoholic. Yep. So... I think the lesson I'm getting from you that I think is really important for everyone, whether it's health and fitness, personal training, or any business is yep. use your pain as your progress, as your purpose, yep. because we all have pain. And if you turn it into something meaningful and you, it's a void, but you try and fill it with good, yep. instead of it creating this empty hole in your life, which sucks everything in, because every successful person I've met, like I know quite a few billionaires, I've met a lot of successful people, they have pain, they have issues, yep. they have shit that's gone in their life. Um, A lot of people say to me, well, Rob, it's hard for me at the moment. And I look at this situation, I think, I know loads of people who it's a lot harder for than you. I don't say it to them in that way because that's not sensitive. It's a perception, right? And it's just clouded.
1: And I mean, the
0: big, big thing about
1: finding an area of your life that you're not doing well in or you're challenged by is looking at it, finding the right people to ask for help and just taking action and prioritizing. And a big thing for me was realizing that those areas of my life, the nutrition, the training, the lifestyle, the the mindset were areas that where I was lacking. So the first thing I did was try to master those areas by learning and taking action and understanding that it wasn't going to happen overnight. I was consistent, methodical. I had a plan. I kept myself accountable. Those are all specific traits of how to get out of a problem. And any area of your life that you're challenged with is an area that you need to improve. You find somebody that's done very, very well in it, you get accountable, and you just take action. And sometimes that action does have to be a little bit blind. You just have to lean into it and get on with it. Or painful. Or painful, and you have to build momentum with it over time. And you know, I think that's a big, big void with so many people in the fitness industry trying to build a fitness business or any business. They see people that are really successful. They feel disempowered. They get either jealous or they minimize themselves. And the first thing they do is just sit and feel sorry for themselves. Whereas looking at, right, what has that person done? What traits have they got? What things have they mastered? What areas? What do I need to do? And just getting started. And that's a huge, huge thing. It's getting momentum and building it and building it, celebrating the wins along the way and keeping accountable Mm. and getting some pressure and accountability should hurt. Oh, yeah. Accountability should hurt. It should hurt to a degree financially. It should hurt to a degree where you get called out on your BS. And it should get, you know, literally, you have to use a lot of energy and you have to put yourself in situations that you're not comfortable with. Mm. So I always say to people when you're trying to do something new, like build a new business or do something, it's like lifting weights for the first time. The first time you go in, the coordination's all over the place and everything else, and it's sore. But as you get more conditioned to it, it becomes much, much more easier and much, much more routine, and it builds over time. And then it's just about layering it up and periodizing it, taking on bigger challenges. to Create a bigger
0: adoption. Mm. I mean, people in the fitness and personal training space, they should be able to get their head around this because yeah. let's be honest, most people who are PTs or in fitness, they like a bit of pain. Mm. They love yeah. a bit of pain in the gym. That next day body ache or yeah. that three day body ache, they actually love that. Yeah, there's a a, life, life, exactly, life course, yeah. there's some sadomasochism about that. Yeah. So you can transmute that into the business area. Yeah. And I think, so, Phil, when I asked you upstairs, you know, what do you want to talk about today? Because yeah. we wanted to make sure we merged our worlds. Yeah. One of them was the wealth and business building side of being a PT. And I see loads of coaches, consultants, trainers, PTs, you know, in anything really, um, the one man bands, And they're interested in the thing that they're teaching um, and they get accreditation and qualification and they get good at that but they don't embrace sales, marketing, yeah. scaling up, hiring, um, tax, yeah. accountancy, yeah. finance, all of that stuff, because that's not really what they want to do. Yeah. If they wanted to do that, they'd learn that at school and exactly. done economics. Yeah. And the reality is, if you want to go from a one-man band personal trainer who's shouting at people all day every day, which might be fun, but it's not scalable. It's not scalable how many of right? those sessions can you do a yeah, day? Exactly. And so you've got a limit to what you can earn. And when you're at 18 years old and you're earning 500 quid a week, you think I'm made, yeah. but like, A million pound is not a lot of money now. It is
1: not a lot of money. The big thing is that you get bored very quick. When you're doing a business model that can't scale, you're not gonna be able to sustain that for long because it's gonna get very boring. And when you're bored as an entrepreneur, then you start looking around and start chasing shiny objects, Mm -hmm. you start comparing yourself, and then you're caught in this trap of, right. how do I go to the next level? And sometimes to go to the next level, you have to take a little bit of a dip in finance to sometimes create something to bring you to the next. Or you have to lean into an area where you're incompetent. And that takes, again, repetition to build skill, to build confidence, and then to
0: eventually crack it. So there's a lot of elements to that. Mm. Okay, so you wanted to talk to me about um, PT scaling up and building wealth and having a longer-term mindset, I suppose. Um, So I'm all yours for that, if you want to discuss that. A
1: big, big thing about the fitness industry, personal trainers and gym owners, is it's a really dense market. There's more and more people now that are overweight, so there's a large demand for the service. But a lot of people, that suddenly go to the gym and get in shape, fall in love with weight training, fall in love with nutrition, then want to create a business out of it. And I think there's a big difference between having a passion for something and turning it into a business that you can make money out of and fuel your lifestyle and your family with. And I think a big, big confusion lies with a lot of people that start out as a personal trainer or gym owner. They don't know what to expect from the business side of things. And they're just good at the technical aspects. And they don't realize all the hats they have to wear with marketing, with sales, with accountancy, And as a result of that, it can get very overwhelming. And that is why so many personal trainers fall out of the industry, because they don't equip themselves with what's to come. It's almost like a dream job to get paid to do the very thing that got you in shape. And that's why so many personal trainers go into it, because they've got into shape themselves or experienced some kind of value out of health and fitness, and they wanna share it with the world, but they just don't know how to scale it. And there are a, a number of ways that you can do that. As a personal trainer, you could go into online coaching, you could look at setting up a gym, There's a there's a ton of different ways, Mm. but most fitness entrepreneurs don't have a vision for what they're wanting to do in three, five or ten years. And as a result, they just focus on the week to week and they get very overwhelmed or they get caught up in just working time for money and then they get burnt out. Yeah. So if you really want to have a vision, you've got to focus on how can I work from one to one to one to many? And that doesn't necessarily mean coaching a large group. It's how can you systemize your business? to help more than one person? How can you automate it but still keep empathy in there and touch points in there? How can you delegate things that you don't like to do? How can you charge more money for a particular service when you're undercharging? So there's a lot of different dynamics to it and they have Mm. to ask themselves questions periodically. And so many personal trainers and gym owners, they won't reflect on the progress that they've had. And it's almost just like a a, a sprint and they're not not stopping and re-evaluating. And I'm massive into previewing and reviewing Progress and looking at what worked, what didn't work, what people need to do more of, what they need to do less of, and as well as building that into a strategic life plan. Yeah. Because I think this is a big, big thing with a lot of young entrepreneurs in any space. It's just all financially focused. And it's just focused on a set target and a set number. And we, we both know people that are very wealthy, that are extremely unhappy. And a lot of people set that finance as a metric of their success or their happiness. And once they get there, they will be happy but it's not linked into anything or they don't have a clear why. If you wanna hit a million a year, why do you wanna do that? What is that gonna enable you to do? And when you start asking people those questions, there's no substance to that. And it's just a figure for egotistical sake. And they're just trying to impress people that they don't like. Mm. So it's you know, how do we build an actual life vision, a life plan and tie in the business around that and get really clear on how do we wanna spend our day? How do we want to run our business? Who do we wanna work with? Who do we not wanna work with? What kind of money do we want to make? Where do we want to put that money? How do we want to invest it and how do we want to spend it? And those kind of things are really, really simple, but not a lot of people build that into their their actual strategic planning for business. And then they get overwhelmed and then their brain doesn't know where they're going and that's why they complain about being burnt out. Yeah. You know, if you've got a vision, you, you will work through any challenge in your life to get through to that because you're very clear on it. And that's why you get a lot of personal trainers burning out and falling out of the industry, like the, the stats are super, super high. Because um, they don't have a long-term vision and they're just financially focused, or they're just trying to get, you know, as much money in, in as short space of time as
0: possible. And you know, that that's there's a lot of pitfalls with that. Mm. So I've got a couple of, of thoughts on something you you said there, Phil, about burnout. Because mm-hmm. I don't think people really understand what burnout is. Because mm-hmm. I think some people think they're burned out when they're not. I think some people don't know when they're burned out when they are. Yeah. Um. So you need some self-awareness to know what your body really mm-hmm. is telling you. Yeah. But I would argue this, no one is burned out doing what they love, no matter how, how hard they do it. Yep. So do you see David Goggins going, oh man, I'm burned out doing these like yeah. 200 mile runs? Yep, yep, no, yep. because he's doing what he loves. Yep, exactly. So burnout is not from overwork. Yep. I really don't believe this, because um, if you look at all the people at, at say Harvard University or the, the great schools around the world that became people like Einstein or... Um, Tesla or, you know, all these amazing people who changed the world or people who eradicated um, various diseases or illness or won Nobel Prizes, they're the ones with the lights on at three o'clock in the morning when everyone else's lights are off. So, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, imagine him as an 18, 19 year old in his dorm just coding all night. These, these guys aren't burned out yep. uh, Warren Buffett's not burned out yep. and he, he reads annual reports for six hours yep. a day and he's not burned out. So if you think you're burned out, you're probably doing something you don't love to do, being forced to do it by someone who you maybe don't respect or admire. Mm. Um, okay, yeah, of course, there's general energy management, yeah. there's, there's diet and, there, and, yep. and I do believe that has a part to play. But I can go a long time working a lot of hours... We still but, have a lot of like, really successful people that are bad dads that keep going all night long, though. Yeah, that? yeah that's mean? true. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, so when you're obsessive, maybe you don't know when the off button yeah. is, and that that is a good point. But yeah. I think when you're on mission and on path, and by the way, to be on mission and on purpose is quite easy to do. You just ask yourself every single day, what am I supposed to do with my life and why am I supposed to do it? Mm. What am I supposed to do with my life and why am I supposed to do it? And you can't expect to answer it today or tomorrow. You might get lucky. Some people know what they want. to. Like we yeah. were talking about Rory McIlroy. Yeah. That's pretty early on clear um, and that's obvious now that that's his thing. Mm-hmm. But many of us, we don't know till a 20 or 30 or 40 or 50. But I got lost between 18 and 25 in my life, financially, emotionally, um, directionally, career. Because I just in that whole seven years, I didn't ask myself once, "What do I want to do with my life?"
1: And I think that's a really important point. On that is that not many people stop and ask themselves that question because they think it's airy fairy or what it's going to lead to, or they just haven't asked it before. But when you truly ask, ask it for five minutes a day and get clear all the like all the time, like evaluating in your head, am I doing what I love? What could I be doing better? What mm. I need to delegate? And I think on that is so many entrepreneurs struggle to delegate because they built the very business that they have now and the success with their own hard work and ethic and they're scared to let it go mm. or they don't know how to, they don't know how to like alleviate that control or they're scared of somebody messing up and I think one of the biggest myths in entrepreneurship and building a business is nobody will do it quite like yourself. If you have created the right systems, the right passover, you've let people made mistakes and you've refined it and tweaked it and communicated the how and the why, and condition that over time, you can pass a lot of stuff off. And John Martini said to me, and it's something that really struck out, you cannot lead an inspiring life if you don't delegate. And that's something that I think you have to learn the hard way. Mm -hmm. You have to be doing something until you get that frustrated or that close to burnout that you just have to learn, how can I pass this off? And I think a lot of people fail because they fear they're losing money when they delegate and they're not clear on how to delegate something and the business has built momentum and they're scared to stop or take yeah. a
0: step back. Yeah, because they don't want to lose the money. Yep. The cli- they feel that the clients need them. They, yeah. There's a bit of an ego thing going yep. on. Everyone likes me. I'm the face of it mm-hmm. all. So I think if you're a one-man band, I know we're talking a lot about the fitness industry. If you're a one-man band, I think get into your business and think, okay, how can I replace myself as quickly as possible? How can I get yep. out of the business? And it's, it sounds counterintuitive to a lot of people to talk about or think about getting out of their business before they've even got in their business. Yeah. Um, so I wrote a book called Life Leverage and I'll, I'll talk about the whole process. But it's- For years, people have been asking me where I buy my watches. Many of you may know I'm a watch collector, I'm a watch investor, and those as an asset class have done me very well in the last 15 years. I have never shared where I source my watches from or my watch dealer until now. My watch dealer used to be a professional footballer for Manchester United and he formed a watch brand called Broadwalk and he sources the higher-end brands like Rolex, Audemars Piguet, Patek Philippe and Richard Mille. I trust him, I've used him for many years and recently we've done a partnership. Hence, I'm inviting you, if you want to start investing in watches and protect your money from the banks and inflation, to check out Broadwalk. That's B-R-O-A-D-W-A-L-K. And the website is broadwalkgroup.com. The email is sales at broadwalkgroup.com. And please don't share this, but his number is 07496 Obviously, only message him if you're serious about buying and investing in the higher-end watches. People have been asking me for years, and for the first time ever, you can get access to my watch team. Essentially, what happened to me was I built a company, I became a millionaire between the age of 30 and 31. um, And I started at maybe 25, 26, 26, maybe. So I did it fairly quickly. um, And by the time I was, what, 32, I had a company turning over a few million quid and I had a property portfolio. And I loved my life. And I loved my business. Um, I um, was with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. And um, I worked hard, yeah. and I wore it like a badge of honour. Yeah. You know, like, no one works harder than me. I get in earlier, yeah. I start, you yeah. know, I stay later, and I wore it yeah. like a badge of honour. And my son was born. Um, I was thirty-two, and for the first nine months of his life, I worked all day, every day, wow. like I was before he was born, yeah. because I loved my job. Now, some people work because they have to work. Yeah. I feel very fortunate. Yeah. I was working because it was my company, and I loved it, and I was making a difference, and I was writing books and. And then my wife sat me down. Then, not, not my wife at the time, she was my girlfriend. Then, and she said, Rob, it's great what you do. And I'm really proud of you. Yeah. But if you keep this up, when your son's 18 and he leaves home, yeah. you will have no idea who he is mm. because you won't see him. Yeah. Because he's nine months old and you've, you you don't see him. So that actually leads me to a really, really important question and that I have that's like a
1: dying question. And I'm sure it's a question that so many people have is, as a fast paced entrepreneur who's really focused on their vision and their mission and doesn't slow down uh how do you build a really healthy marriage and bring up a family as well like if we we separate, start with that question <laughs> first of all if we uh if we start with the marriage right and then we'll start with you know bringing up kids and that's an area of my life that I haven't moved into yet I don't have kids but hearing it from you like like golden piece of advice marriage golden piece of advice kids like what would that be? Because like you're in a position to advise on it. So I'd love to hear that.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: So marriage, let's go with marriage first. Right. Let's go with the hardest one. Okay, so.
0: I think any relation, like, I want to make a caveat here. I'm very comfortable talking about business, money, mindset, yeah. etc. property. I'm a bit less comfortable talking about marriage advice. Yeah, but and I, I know he's fucking live in the <laughs> house as well. But
1: uh, yeah, it's all part of it, though. Yeah, it is. You bring I, just, I, don't,
0: and, I, I perceive myself as a student, not a yeah, master yeah. when it comes to marriage. Yes, I'm married. I've been with my wife 12 years, and we've got a good, strong relationship. I just thought I'd make that caveat in case, me, in case people start thinking that Rob's spinning out marriage advice. <laughs> Okay, so, um, you, you know, when you go through a relationship that's 10 years longer, I think you go through different cycles. And mm. I think the key to making it sustain would be, A, to both be bought into the mission. Yeah. So, when, yeah, yeah. When, when my wife met me, she was I mean she's attracted more by my ambition than she is my, by my looks, I can tell you that. Because whenever she says what she likes about me, which is about once every three years or so, Phil. I'm always she, told the same I'm yeah.
1: punching you know? <laughs> all yeah, yeah. um, every time I put a photograph up underneath it, it's like you're punching, you're punching yeah. uh, get it too.
0: So she she t- she tells me that she's um, she likes my ambition. Yeah. So when we met, I wasn't made. Yeah. I mean I don't say that I'm made now, but I'm I'm more made. So um, she knew what she was getting into. And so that was, that was clear. Um, and I think that that's what she wanted for her life. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was very clear with her, like, I'm on this mission.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I'm with you, but I'm also on this mission. Yep. And I'd had a girlfriend before her who really wasn't on board with my mission, and it just yep. didn't work out. Yep. So I think, on board with the mission. Now, that you don't always get lucky and meet people, and you're on board with the mission yeah, straight right away. So. And sometimes you've been in a career for 10 years and then yep. you quit to be a personal trainer. Yep. So what you have to do is sit down with your partner, husband yep. or wife, yep. um, and talk about the mission and talk about the plan. Like, here's what I'm going to do. Well, Are you here's me what me or we're going you know, to do. Gonna this do. is yep. really important. Yep. So when I sat down with Gemma every now and again to talk about the mission, it's like, what's Gemma's role in it? What mm-hmm. role does she want in it? Because yep. she worked for me for five years and then she wanted to be yep. like operationally involved in yep. the mission. And then she quit, actually, because we had young kids and she decided she didn't want to do that anymore and yeah. I, was, I was a bit scared because I liked her working yeah. in the office um, but that was her decision You really
1: shift from me to us as a unit
0: yes you, you become a team yeah. and, um, and even you know, when raising kids that's your role in the mission that's your role in the mission mm. I think that's really important yeah. the next thing and you'll know this from studying John Demartini and I think it's vital is understanding the values of your partner yeah. so we all have very different values um, and we all see things in a very different way now I know there's the sort of the jovial things are men are from Mars and women are from Venus yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. But actually, everyone's different and everyone has a different set of values. Right. So taking time and caring and considering enough to ask your partner what's most important to you in yep. your life. Um, and, you know, how can I help you get your needs met? Yeah, I think that's really important. I think that for a while, so probably for the latter three or four years of my relationship with my wife to be honest we kind of just in a very um convenient and satisfied way lived in a bit of a parallel universe yeah she was happy cracking on doing the kids she likes her own space she likes to be on her own she's very independent she lived in this world i was you know doing my mission writing my books doing a lot of stuff i lived in this world yeah and to be a, a, a at some point we kind of got too much living in a parallel universe but not together yeah so then we had to actually make plans to date night, go cool out minute, for dinner, yeah. have um, a breakfast with the kids on a, a yep. Saturday or a Sunday out at Bill's, have a, a, a weekly or two weekly like family meeting yep. and actually compartmentalize in time to do things. Because yep. when you're an entrepreneur, there's always another sale that needs to be done, another email that needs to be answered. And before you know it. You you're can be off. three or five years yeah. and you haven't really seen much yeah. of your partner. I'm not into all this when people say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working and I've got to work and I've got to put mm. um, food and money on the table. And this is what I want to do. And you're with me or you're with me or you're not, or you're, you're not. Okay. I don't I don't respect and admire that as a trait. I think that's too self-absorbed. Yeah. I think, um, you know, everyone needs a good partner, whether yeah. it's a wife or a husband or an ops manager or a joint venture partner. Yeah. So I think considering their needs yeah. is, is really important.
1: And so just on that, a big, big thing I see with a lot of fitness entrepreneurs is when they start to build their business and they start to grow, you might have seen it in your, in your industry, but what they tend to do is they tend to expect the wife or the other half to be at the same speed that they're at yeah. and to be a carbon copy of that. But when you dissect it and look at it, they just want you know the wife to support what they're doing to fuel their own mission. And again, it's the I thing, it's not yeah. the us thing, and it's very much self-centered. And then that's when somebody then gets really pissed off Mm. and goes their separate ways. And you can't
0: blame someone for feeling a bit miffed or frustrated or lost if you've pivoted and you've gone on this massive new direction. People forget that. I know it's easy to say, hey, look, if you love me, you love me. But you could say it the other way around. Well, if you love me. Uh, uh, And I think so when you're going to embark in a change, a career change, a lifestyle change, or if you're going to work extra hard. David Goggins said something to me when I interviewed him on my podcast and he said, My fiance, I think she gets what I'm like. um, And she knows I'm with her. Mm. But every now and again, I sit her down. Sorry, you're going to have to be my fiance at this point, Phil. Um, and, um, (laughs) and, And every now and again, he'll sit down with his fiance and he'll say, you know I've got to go do this, honey. Yeah. So, I'm going to be gone for a bit because yeah. I've just got to get this done.
1: Yeah.
0: I know you'll wait for me. Yeah. I love you very much, but I've yeah. got to go and do this thing. Yeah. Will you let me go do this thing? Yeah. I've got to focus on it, you know, like a 200 yeah. mile run or something like that. Yeah. And communicating, I, yeah. I was going to say communication, but if I'd have said it too early, people would have thought, oh, that's a cop out answer or that's a bit mm. cheesy. But actually, uh, if you feel frustrated or maybe undermined, find the right way to communicate it non-emotionally. Very much so, yeah. Um, and if you've got to go and do something, don't assume that your partner knows what you're doing yeah. and where you're doing it yep. and why you're doing yep. it. So explain to them, look, I'd love to do this. Yep. Are you on board? And also, what can I do for you? Yeah. Um, so, and you I know, think you know, a really good point on that is, again, like communicating as
1: objectively as possible, but like avoiding triggered communication right. is massive. We have, me and my wife, every morning, we have like a huddle so like, what's your outcome comfort today? What's yeah. my outcome comfort today? Is there anything you need from me today? Vice versa, and like that—that—that nice. that, that sets the like you know the relationship off on a very strong footing. Yeah. And like we've built a routine with that. Um, and then at the end of the day, like you know, is there anything today that you learned about yourself? You know, it's like a little bit of just good quality questioning. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's guess, really
0: sweet. You have a huddle every morning. I want to have a little huddle. huddle no, that's, reality. that's really sweet. That's really sweet. Um, so here's something interesting that we should talk about. Um, and that is I read on Arianna Huffington's page. Um, about the the when you get triggered. Yeah. So we all know how we feel when we get triggered, mm. an emotional flooding or hijacking in our body, yeah. whether it's anger, envy, resentment, yeah. bitterness, pain, yeah. shame, yeah. vulnerability, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All those emotions that are strong, mm. and they're triggered from past experiences and memories of what's happened to us before. Yeah. And this this moment in the current situation has triggered a flooding of the emotions, yeah. and that apparently lasts about ninety seconds. Yeah. And I thought about this and I read this. And, and that's why they say, you know, don't reply to an email straight away yeah. or go and have a walk if you're uh-huh. feeling really emotional. Because in, if you think about it.
1: Sometimes you can only go on so many walks. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can't walk any further. Yeah, that's
0: very true. Um, but I reckon a lot of people are fucking up their life in those mm. 90 seconds because I think they're writing emails and, you know, getting angry or defensive mm. or critical or arguing um, or or whatever it is, yeah. in those 90 seconds. Yeah. And so I'm trying to create this rule for myself. I'm, I'm not a perfect human being, and I have all the emotions that every human being has. So that yeah. means anger, jealousy, yeah. bitterness, resentment. You know, they, they rear their head from time to time. Yeah. I don't like that about myself. I try and manage that because yeah. I don't want to be like that. Yeah. But they're a human emotion, so yeah. they have a fu- function and a purpose. So I also know that about myself. But what I'm trying to do when I get triggered is... Nothing for 90 seconds. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Don't write anything. Smile, walk away, breathe, whatever. Mm -hmm. Because we've all sent that email or said that thing in anger. There's this is really, or even you know, like gone and purchased something. Yeah, emotional spending. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, you know, or you, yeah, you've done things out. Yeah, of like especially depression when you're, or anxiety. Yeah, especially or when you're younger, like, fill your like, own yeah, voice. If I don't buy this
1: now, I'm making a fool of myself. Yeah. I buy this now I need fear of it. missing out. Yeah, exactly. all of these emotions. I think you know that a really powerful quote that stood out for me, and it's always stayed in my brain since, is your thoughts are not reality. Reality is not your thoughts. And in those moments, I mean, it could be something like somebody texting me, like a client saying, are you free for a call? A client pulls out. Those kind of situations can be quite triggering. And sometimes when we're in the middle of those things, we can then ignore it and then go and dip on social media and look at this fantasy land and then massively minimize ourselves. So. If I'm in that situation, I'll ask myself really good questions. The first thing I'll say is an affirmation like that, just to get my brain right. And I'll ask, right, what is this teaching you? What can you do? What mm. can you control? What can you not control? Yeah. And I'll, I'll optimize my environment. I'll not, if I, like, if I've got a really stressful situation, I'll just focus on the biggest priority action step that I can do. And I just got to work on that. I think mm. it's, it's one thing that I can do right now to fix it. If it's something that I have to wait for a response, what can I do in the meantime to make sure that money's still coming in? I'm healthy and the people that matter to me are safe. Mm. So, again, like that could be open context, depending on what it is, but it's having good internal frameworks and questioning to get yourself out of the emotional state, because when you're really emotional,
0: the intelligence is low. Oh, and There's that, no- by the way, that also accounts for high, when you're emotionally high. Yeah. I've made some of the worst decisions oh, in my life when I've been emotionally I, high. I, well, if, People assume it's just I, the depth. I, I, the, the, the,
1: the most chaotic events in my life, the biggest tragedies, have been brought about by resting on my laurels. Mm. When you think everything is going well. Yeah, yeah I've thought yeah. things have been going really well. I've thought I've had my shit together. And then all of a sudden, something's crept from under the rug that I've been complacent with. Yeah. So, you know, a, a question that I ask myself at the end of the day is, you know, how you did whatever you perceive negative or positive today uh, serve you and how can you get like how can I get myself back and centered? Yeah, so if I have something really positive, if I make a, a huge big sale, I go right, what are the downsides? Yeah, I'll go da, 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 da. okay. If something's really bad happened, what is that teaching you? Well, don't do that again. Speak to that person, you need to do more of this before you do that. Mm. So, I think uh, I can't remember who said the quote, but a life well inspected or a life well studied isn't worth living. So, I'm massive into you know, at the end of my day, going right, what was the biggest lesson today? Um, what went well, what didn't, like what did you learn, like all those kind of things. They may sound wishy-washy and I think a lot of people journal for the sake of journaling because everyone else is doing it but I'm trying to do it with a really strong intent to sharpen my mission and make make me love myself more. I think that's the most important thing because if you don't love yourself and you're trying to build something around it, it it's just a never-ending, like really unfulfilling, despairing like mission, and you, you know, if you love yourself and you know that you can, can continue to operate, that's a very powerful thing. Mm. And I think that sounds really wishy washy, but I think you'd be on agreement with that. When you love yourself and you accept yourself for who you are, and you're open to learning, you, you don't, you know, you, it takes a lot to, to hold you down. And yeah. it, and even if even if you are held down with a particular situation, again, it's asking yourself those questions to get out of it. And I think that that's something that has to be trained and conditioned. I don't think that everybody has that unique ability to snap out of things. You know, if, 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 it, if it, like a, a tragedy happened now in my life, I'd be far better prepared to deal with whatever it was compared to when I was 20, 22 years of age emotionally. Do you know what I mean? And I think that gets sharper and sharper. So if you're sharpening those emotional muscles and, and building them, you're going to be able to, to handle chaos a lot better. Mm. And if you're going to grow a big business or you're going to grow a big mission, you're going to have a lot of challenges. You're going to have friends that, well, once your friend betrays you, you're going to look down on you. You're going to have tax. You're going to have... Uh, more things you need to get involved with, more projects and everything else is going to require more time. You're going to piss people off. You're going to have to move things. You're going to have to remodel. You might have to take a dip for a while. These are all challenges that are ultimately going to grow you. And, you know, your success is in direct proportion to the amount of challenge and ridicule that you can contend with to a degree. Mm. You know, and uh, I think that's a big, big thing to realize. It's almost like an automatic filter in my head. And I try to teach it to everybody that I work with is that when you feel that challenge or that gap, that's the thing you need to lean into and just like like scrum into it and just get on with it you know it's very easy to step back and, and you say you're overwhelmed and you don't know what to do successful people I find they do two things they ask for help and they take action no matter what it's those two things unsuccessful people just sit there complain and look at somebody else that's successful and try to justify why that why they have it they come up with all sorts of excuses to try to make themselves feel better and I see that all the
0: time in the fitness industry and you probably see it yourself mm. yeah I think your ability to take on more levels of rejection every yep. day will help you grow. I think your ability not to take yourself too seriously. Um, you that's, a, that's a thats a—that's a big one. I think that's
1: something that is trained over time. I don't think that can come immediately. Some people no, have it from like the start. You,
0: you, you keep saying here, though, don't you? Take action, take action, take action. Yeah. So I don't think you need to caveat the statement at the end of the day. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, like with rejection, for example. Um you can develop a thicker skin, I believe. Mm, The only way I believe you can develop a thicker skin is to take more level of rejection. The paradox is, no matter how much rejection you get, there'll always be a level where it would hurt. Mm. So, you know, when I see online critics and trolls, that would have ruined my weekend if I'd have seen that on Facebook 10 years ago and I'd have just like really struggled to deal with one person online saying stuff about me because everyone else can see are they judging me am I losing business blah 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 I
1: think that's the big thing you're worried about other people seeing that person criticize you and you're worried about the whole impression rather than then you're
0: focusing on the minute well yeah because at that time I'm only looking at downside if I was looking at upside I could respond in an elegant way and people would go wow Rob handles critics pretty well Mm -hmm. online and I would have won some fans over but I couldn't see that back then because they didn't have the wisdom But my point is, I could have a thousand people do that, and it wouldn't bother it me. Wouldn't bother you. But let's say Arnold Schwarzenegger was in this room, and I pitched him something or asked him something, and he rejected me. Yeah. I'd probably feel some pain because yeah, that's another yeah, yeah. level. Because I look sure. up to him. Yeah. So I have found in my life, I have got way better at taking rejection. Yeah. And I've built these layers of thicker skin. But there's still a bigger layer. There's still another layer. There's, a there's still a layer. bigger level. And that because, could be on an individual basis or a group basis. Yeah. You know. Or. or all of a sudden you go viral or all of a sudden mm. you have quite a lot of followers or you have a big campaign against you and you might be able to handle it from any yeah. individual yeah. but when it's a campaign against yeah, with a load it's, of people it's extreme yeah so my point is this um and it's agreeing with your point you ju- you have to take action so if you want to grow and develop and be strong and grow your business you have to accept rejection every single day you have to put yourself in that Place of uncomfort, yep. but there's this delusion that people think that oh well, when I made a million quid or you yeah, know when um, I've got all the clients that I want, everything will be perfect and sorted. If I don't it think it, it gets doesn't. It's more complicated. You, well, you get you just get bigger challenges. <laughs> yeah. Your reward for success is bigger problems to deal with. That is your reward. Okay. It is money. It is fame. It is recognition. It is reward, mm-hmm. but it is also bigger fucking problems. Yeah. Um. I had a two hundred and fifty-eight thousand pound bill I had to pay on my personal current account. Um. Now most people don't keep that sort of money in their current account, most people don't have that amount of money full stop. And I had a bill I had to pay out of my current account. Mm. Um, and at first, I felt quite shit about that, and now yeah. I can just brag that it's my biggest ever bill out of my current account. Yeah. But the point is, I've had my biggest year this year in business with 42% up, We'll hit 20 million um, for our training businesses. Uh, and yeah, I've had my biggest personal bill. Um, I've had all sorts of other challenges with, that I won't bore you with. Mm. I made a decision on January the 2nd that I was going to have the biggest year of my life. I just made a decision. It was done. Um, and uh, I was naive to the challenges it would bring.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, I don't beat myself up for that because if you're running a business in your 12th year and you've never run a business for 12 years, so your 12th year is a whole new experience because you've never done it before. Mm-hmm. All the 11 years in business I've learned and got all the lessons and everything else still didn't prepare me for my biggest year yet. Oh. Because the challenges that we faced, like I said, I won't bore you with them. They were ones I could never have predicted unless yep. I've been in business 35 years. Yep. So no matter how much experience you get and no matter what level you get to, there is always a new challenger yep. on the horizon. Yep. And the people who are struggling the most are the people who are walking away from their challenges or running from their challenges or hoping their challenges away or burying their heads in the sand or thinking that they can get to a position in their life where there aren't any. But in reality, there are just new ones. Now, we've got two guys here who did bodybuilding and you all know diminishing law of returns or the plateau effect. The the more you train and the more you work out, the smaller incremental increments of progress you get over time. Um, And I think you just have to remember these things and just go and seek them out with a...
1: Massively, yeah. I mean, I think it's a combination of when people don't take action, it's either not knowing what to do, not having the confidence or knowing what to do, but being scared of losing something. So losing energy. Or, or, how, other out, might or how other them people might perceive yeah. them doing it. doing it and feeling. I mean, yeah. I think that, that's a big, big thing with environment as well. And you are gonna outgrow people as you grow your business. Um, and that, that sometimes includes members of your family. There's sometimes you have to put members of your family on mute. I had to do that with, with my family for a period of years. On mute,
0: I like that. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm normally a little bit more direct than saying putting them on mute. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, but I'm, I'm a big believer mm. in um, the constantly putting yourself out there and challenging your weaknesses and your vulnerabilities. Yeah. Um, but something I want to come back to that we talked about earlier, because I don't think we've probably addressed it, is going from one-man band to business owner Mm. and you talked a lot about well you've got to delegate um and i said that actually you want to think about getting yourself out the business as quick as possible and i want to bust a few myths in people's head so people commonly think and you you said these phil Um, I will. No one will be able to do my business better than me. That's actually not true at all. There are better PTs than you. There are better lifters than you. There are better coaches than you. Your ego won't like it, but there are. So you could actually hire better coaches than you. Number one, there are better marketers than you. There are better salespeople than you. So you're not the best person for the job you just think you are. The second thing you worry about is, oh, well, maybe my clients, you know, they won't they won't go to another coach or trainer yeah. or, or but um like i said you can get a better one and they're also, interested in the results exactly the the, yeah the they, they don't really if care can, the face if you
1: can articulate that properly you know i'm taking on a coach they know my exact process you know i know what i'm talking about But I'm also going to be here to see it off, and every now and again, like you know, and then dissolve it over time. Yeah, you know that it has. I think sometimes people want things to be done tomorrow, and some things have to be more physic in nature and just have to happen over time. But
0: Mm. yeah, for sure, definitely. So, I mean, there was a time, probably five or six years ago, when I was doing all of the speaking gigs for my companies. Yeah. So you've just been over there doing our pops investing masterclass, investing in yourself, which I really respect and admire, and. Um, so we have about three trainers that run that course. It's a four-day course. I used to run all four days of that course, right. every single minute of every single and day. And you, go out for and dinner. how did
1: you find letting go of that? Well, probably... In, initially, in the, in, the, in the stages where, like, one, like, where were you mentally when you wanted to let go
0: of that? And two, what, what was it initially okay. like letting go? Right. Of? So where I was mentally was really fatigued yeah. because I'd done 250-odd speaking gigs that year. And I, when I do a speaking gig, it's not 90 minutes, it's a day. Yeah. Um, and I do long days. So um, my voice started to go. You can hear I've still got, got a kind of a croaky voice. I started having. I had two out of body experiences when I was doing public speaking. One was when I broke the world record for the longest public speech. Actually, saw myself come out of my own body and troll myself in front of myself. What the fuck are you talking about? Who the fuck do you? Yeah, yeah. Because I just I did so much of it. So mm. uh, I know I just said earlier when you're doing what you love, you don't get burnout. Yeah. Um, but when you do so much of what you love, yeah. I think I'd I had fa- fatigue would be fatigue. Yeah, physically. Exactly. Yeah. So that was actually yeah. the trigger. Because here's the thing, if if. You know, if someone got diabetes and they had to have an operation, they're out for six months. Yeah. They'd figure out a way for someone to take over their business, look after their clients, mm. call them up and, and all of that. So um where I was, was I was kind of forced to let go because I couldn't do any more public speaking. I was burning yeah. myself out. And I think now, sometimes you have to reach that point of... Well, this is you do, you do, but we can tell people that you don't. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people they reach that point before they go. Okay, I'll let go. I'll hire someone. Mm -hmm. I'll give someone my baby because they've got no other choice. So what I'm saying is, don't get yourself to that point. Don't get yourself. I know your your question was you know, what, at what point did you get to before you did it? Yep. My point is saying, don't get to my point before you did yeah, it. Yeah, don't get it. Yet. So um, it's
1: almost like a wisdom thing, you know, in the sense of, look, I've been there, I know what it feels like, I can recognise the signs, the symptoms,
0: do this whenever you feel like that. Start it now. But I think the, the thing is, the pain isn't there yet. When, you, when you're training and you can do five, six, seven, maybe even 10 clients a day, whatever you can do and the money's coming in, there's no pain. Yep. Um, now, if you knew you were going for an operation in three months yep. and you couldn't personal train for six months, yep. the pain's there. Yep. So, um, You'd be forced to get creative you're forced to Well, you got a plan. Just make it. a plan. Exactly, yeah. I mean, yep. um, so there was two ways we did it. One was wrong, one was right. So the first thing was I kind of burned out from doing 250 speaking gigs. Yep. In one year, I've been saying for two years, I'm going to train trainers, I'm going to bring you through, I'm going to give you stages. I created a train the trainer program, mm-hmm. a train the trainer ascension plan. I recorded every talk, I wrote their slides, their scripts, i had done all the assets for them. Mm-hmm. I didn't get out of the way yeah. because I loved the speaking too much. Yeah. And it was like, everyone likes Rob and Rob and yeah, my yeah, ego yeah, loved to yeah. be everyone likes Rob. I think it's
1: a part of like, if I let go of this, the business is gonna go down.
0: Yeah, but the reality was, we probably went from two or three million to 20 million because hmm. we have trainers and we wouldn't be at 20 million if it was just me. We could only ever yeah. be at two or three million because yeah. I can only do a certain amount of days a year. Mm-hmm. So the burnout forced me to let go. But then the big shift, and I can't remember where I'd read this, but i would read this in a book, because like yourself, I read a lot of books. And it said something like, if you can't be out of your business for, I think it was 30 days or 90 days, then you don't have a proper business, then you just have a job, but you own the company. So I thought, screw this, I'll try it. Mm. And we booked a mentorship in Cayman. So we sold a mentorship, a property mastermind mentorship, and we decided to do it in Cayman Islands because we had a client who used to fly us to Cayman Islands. And then we thought, well, we could go back next year and actually run a mentoring for like 10 people around the boardroom. We'll hire a villa. We hired a £40,000 villa Mm. for three weeks. We sold two um, tables of 10 one week. Um, One week at the start, we had a week's holiday, one week at the end. So we were all in to do that trip. It was like nine or 10 months away. And both Mark and I, my business partner, we were going. So we now had 10 months to make it happen. To make it happen. Yeah. And that's what we did. And um, it's actually not that hard. You write the systems and processes. Yep. You record anything you can record, like any exercise or anything you record. Yep. You write a little manual for your health and safety and your protocols and your processes and yep. your brand and what's unique. You, you set up your online booking system. You set up your WhatsApp groups. You have someone taking the calls. Yep. Bit by bit, everything that you do, you can give to someone else. Yep. Like, it's not a rocket science. And I think
1: it's like you know the spending of money on it, the thing you're going to lose money, it's the money that actually comes from that as well. It's yeah. massively because, you know- You
0: have I, to let go to grow, and I think that's- I've
1: had fun. to realize as well, like, you know, back then, it's you're the only volatility in the company. And, you know, realistically, if you break, then everything breaks if mm-hmm. you haven't passed that stuff over. And I mean, that leads me to a question that I have. Yeah, we've got five um, minutes, so maybe let's do three, it. Well, let's say three lessons for building a great team, for delegating and building a great team. We covered one, like document everything, make sure it's really, really clear and pass it off. But what about the, just managing people? because that's always something you hear somebody complain about is managing people's a nightmare managing a team's a nightmare let's talk about like the emotional side of people and how to get them on
0: your vision and aligned how, like how, what what lessons could you share for that? So I think the first thing is no matter how small you are create a vision yeah make it disruptive make it exciting make it non-corporate you know make mm-hmm. it something that people would want to come and work towards because well, I, I think, think that's a big big thing like yeah, you're you're, you're, you don't do that yeah, you yeah. think big companies do it but one man two-man bands they often don't do yeah that. and like you'
1: you've, that's obviously a big th- threat and your mission is about being disruptive and not doing the corporate stuff. Is that out of your frustration of seeing so many people think that that's gonna be successful, why, why, why is that? Honestly, it's
0: just really my personality. Right. So I'm not like anti-corporate. I've never really, wo- I mean, I've worked in a couple of jobs that weren't my family or my own company, but only a couple of small ones. I'm not actually properly anti-establishment or anti-corporate. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of people come and work here who realise we're friendly, we're open, we're accessible, we have fun, we don't wear uniform. Mm. You can come and speak to the owner of the company, you can take the piss out of him, he'll he'll take feedback. We're forgiving of mistakes, all those things that a lot of corporations are not. So I think that's the second question. So the first thing is creating a really exciting, disruptive, unique vision that people will support you on and and buy into. Because it doesn't matter how big you are, if that's exciting. Mm -hmm. It's not about where you are, it's about where you're going. I think the second thing is the unique culture. Why come and work for me? Why leave your safe job? at uh, um, Virgin Active or whatever, yep. to come and be, uh, sorry about that, it could have been David Lloyd, it could have been, I wasn't a stab at them, but yeah. you know, even though Kieran left Virgin Active to come in <laughs> yeah. um, but, but my point is, why go because th- that job is safer. Yep. People who've left big companies and work for me, they've left a safer job mm. than when I was starting out. So yep. It's the culture, i.e. the people, um, the, the feeling, the environment, the, the mission, the energy, the enthusiasm, yep. the passion. Etc. I think that's the second thing. I think the third thing is actually making sure that you hire good people. Yeah. Um, and sometimes when you really need to hire someone, you'll hire someone rather than the right person. Yeah. I think it's having a good job description, it's a good a mixture job, of attitude
1: bad. and technical. Yeah, as yeah. Well. Like
0: a lot of people say, oh, I'll hire." They they say, "Should you hire an attitude or experience?" well I actually think it depends mm. if you're hiring someone in training in an yep. apprentice role then it's attitude all day long yep. if you're hiring a coder a to highly build, specialist guy then it's not yeah, about attitude at all yeah. it's about technical and yeah. people get this wrong it's like let lock the guy in a room all right he might be grumpy he might not have very good social skills <laughs> lock him in a fucking room and let him do his job <laughs> yeah because yeah, he's yeah. the best at the job so I'm exactly. a big fan of people who are the best at the job yeah um but of course attitude is nice too yeah um, but it depends on the role yeah um massive and then I I think um, open communication yeah. is, is next. So I think you've got to know when to give someone feedback, yeah. i.e. they need to improve. Yeah. You've got to know when to support them and lift them up when they're yeah. challenged. Yeah. Um, you've like got just to know.
1: communicating out in the right way rather than barking. Again, yeah. it's thinking long vision in terms of, right, if I do this now, it could cause a, you know, it's a chip on the shoulder that can yeah. carry into the whole rest of the team. Well, I actually think
0: giving feedback is more about when you say it, not what you say. Yeah. Um, and many times I have said the right thing at the wrong time. So, for example, I'll mm. leave a lot of feedback now for my team yep. in the one-to-ones where I yep. sit down where there's a part where I can give them yes. their feedback yes, instead yes, of going yes. Pew yep. when it happened in the down. moment. Yep. Golden rule, after I've only done this twice mm-hmm. in 12 years. Yep. Once was actually two weeks ago, so i kind of a bit annoyed with myself about it. But it was only in front of four people and then once was about five years ago. But only twice in 12 years have I shot anyone down in public. Oh, wow. And I'm proud of that because... Yeah. You know, like, people piss me off every day. Yeah. People upset me every day. People screw yep. me over every day. People yep. wrong me every day, in my yep. own perception, of course. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I don't want to go and... Love it. I want to go and let them know that. Yeah. And only twice in 12 years have I lost my shit... Yep. ...in front of people. I don't, yeah. mind, I, I don't mind pushing back one-to-one. Yeah. If we've got beef, we'll have a discussion. and yep. I'll push back yep. if yep. I need yep. to. Yeah. But if I lose my shit to you in front of people, I'm the idiot, not, not you. Yeah, yeah, and I've done it twice, and I think twice in twelve years, that's not a bad record, because you never win doing that. Yeah. In fact, I've done that and turned. But it needed to happen in order for you to realise it. The well, life. there you go. <laughs> and by the way, when that's I thought did you got to flip it. Well, when I did that, the guy that I did it to left and nicked three of our staff and set up a competing business. Now that wasn't there. the only thing, but that I know was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. So that was a lesson I needed to get, and yep. that was one of the best things that happened to me, yep. upside in the downside. Yeah. Because had that not happened, I might do it now in yep. front yep. of eighty, eighty five. He staff. might have done it at a
1: different time when you, you know, yeah. again, you got to look. it's yeah. fine and there's was little intricate. Yeah, yeah. Love it. So I mean, on top of that as well, like I've got another question here, and this is a, for any entrepreneur, um, especially the business guys that all of a sudden embrace marketing and sales and get a lot better and start earning a lot more money. And I think this is a big thing that's overlooked by so many people is you know, more money, often more problems. And one of those big problems in trying to scale a business is tax. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of fitness entrepreneurs that we help that grow. Yeah. And all of a sudden they hit that threshold. Yeah. All of a sudden they hit higher tax brackets. Yeah. How have you overcome the mental barrier of doing that? Okay. Because a lot of people are scared to go over that. They they creep underneath it. You know how it goes.
0: Yeah right there's a lot of it a lot of things at play i'll try and answer them quickly so when people say more money more problems i disagree um more money for me different problems yep. and that is a really key distinction yep. because when you make money and you go oh i remember when i was had um, less money and there were less problems no you've just forgotten the problems you had when you were skin.
1: yeah
0: uh, when i was skin, <laughs> i i was going out with a girl and she had to pay for me for everything for about six months because i was skin, and i was Absolutely shamed and embarrassed by mm-hmm. that, that I couldn't even pay for my girlfriend for dinner. Yeah, and she didn't mind doing it, yeah. But I was, sh- I felt shamed by that, that a man can't even pay his way. Yeah, so all right, I've got a 250 pound, 250,000 pound Lamborghini that I just had to pay five grand for a service, I've got a 125,000 pound Ferrari that I paid two and a half grand for a repair. I've got a Range Rover, 100 grand Range Rover. The engine blew and it cost me 12 grand. What Um, Range Rovers do that all the time? What's happened to the Lamborghini? um, Yeah, my my Lamborghini broke down in the middle of the road. Um, Yeah, and it was there for like eight, nine hours. Did you get abuse at the same? Yeah, I got. We've got videos, mate. We've got videos. I've got so much abuse. Um, So yes, I have problems. I mean, insuring me on my cars is three and a half to four grand per car. Yeah, Um, but they are first world problems and i'm fully aware of that and i say that jovially because i'm grateful for all that so when people say more money more problems i disagree Mm -hmm. more money different problems Mm -hmm. but for me more money better quality problems i'd rather have i've got to pay five grand to fix my lamborghini than i can't even pay for dinner with my girlfriend yeah by the way about we split up and about a year later when i made some money i wrote a check i worked out all the no, dinners i thought she no, ever paid for me and i wrote a check and i posted it to her why i know because that was like the releasing of yeah, my right, shame right, it was right, for right. me I it wasn't it, for her it, I, it, I, I don't even know if she cashed and <laughs> i don't even care um but but yeah so um so next so tax then like that is just an illusion in people's mind people think that they they add, they add the vat on top people won't buy their services, but that's not true because you can actually claim VAT back the other mm-hmm. way. So yeah, if you charge VAT, then people have to pay VAT, but you can also claim VAT back once you're VAT registered on all the yeah. things that you buy, and they can claim VAT back. Um, yeah. People usually don't turn down a service if it's good, if it's 20% more, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, so if a, if a personal is charging 40 quid yeah. and the session's good, people probably won't ch- turn it down at 48, 40, yeah, because they probably won't.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I also think, look at it another way, because you and I both believe there's an upside and every downside and a downside in every upside. Course That's you're one of work the things harder. that have come out. Yeah. So people can say, oh, I'm VAT registered, I've got to charge more. But a lot of people will go, you're not VAT registered. You're not a proper business then because to me if someone's not VAT registered Jet. they haven't even taken 70 grand yeah. so they're not yeah. a proper business yeah. so yeah. I'm not going to risk my money yeah. on them because they could go bust very quickly because yeah. they're not a proper yeah. business yeah. they haven't got any money in the bank if they're yeah. not yet VAT registered yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. so it's, it's just a mindset thing. and also the fact that you're going to work harder you're going to look at refining things and probably take things a lot more seriously. Yeah. because you're a real business <laughs> Exactly, you know, and I think if you've, already, if you've already, got to to, if you already got to that, then yeah. like when you start leaning in a little bit, you're gonna yeah. go further. So, yeah. so next
0: thing is, I just do not get the mindset where people are like, oh, well, I don't wanna to earn too much money in case I have to pay too much tax. Well, the reality is, you only pay tax on what you've earned. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, you're paying tax.
1: Um, <coughs> people get confused about it being an actual, like, it's bringing your, you know, your wealth on, where it's an actual, like, you know. Uh, it's, it's relative. It's relative, So yeah, yeah
0: you, you get certain um, thresholds where under a certain threshold, you go over and yeah. the tax jumps. But the reality is the more money it's, you it's are, not a, it's not a cost per se, it's almost like, but well, it is an expense. But it's, but it's, it's essentially, a, it's not a cost of sale, but if yeah, you see it as a cost of sale, i.e. Yeah, it's an operational cost of doing yeah. business and growing, it's better than thinking, oh, I don't want to be paying all this tax. Yeah. But And that's
1: where emotional management of like, you know, looking after your emotions and spending properly, investing, yeah. ROI, you know, making sure that you're getting money back out of the things that you put money in that's exactly you know why I came on one of your courses to put mm. money into property to create which is an offsetable business expense exactly. so this was going to be yeah. my next point point. Exactly. Uh,
0: if you're uh, you can go on the HMRC website and you can look at Pretty much every single thing, it, there's an offsetable, legitimate business expense. Mm-hmm. And you can expense a lot of things against your company that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Keep a logbook of all your mileage or all the places you go when you yep. go to your clients. Obviously, all the equipment that you use, the yep. clothing. Yep. Like, I, this, this is a Vivienne Westwood jacket. I cannot put this through the business, unfortunately. But if I lob disruptive on it, yeah, if you put I
1: disruptive on in the inside.
0: So, anyway. so if I put disruptive on the back of this, yeah. this thousand pound jacket yeah. would be an offsettable business expense because I've looked at legit. I'll put legit on it. So, um, so I so all, my, all the t-shirt. I mean, I, it's yeah. my brand anyway. Disruptive. Yeah.
1: Is but the, yeah, so i
0: in you just want to touch my pecs is that what it was <laughs> um, yeah so um, but yeah it's, I, think, I think it's being course, like, properly educated yeah the, the expos one. you go to the education yeah. that you have most things I mean a PT doesn't have much overhead mm. let's be honest they don't have much overhead and if, if you have like a little gym in your garage, you can um, run that through. Yep. All the equipment that you buy and the depreciation can, can be run through. Yep. So actually, if you're smart and you run all the things through that you can run, yep. then you reduce. You, you might pay more tax because you're earning more money, but then you will pay a lot less tax. Yep.
1: And I think so, it just comes with lack of education does, and yeah. probably having a good accountant. Again, delegation, you know, a lot of people just try to guess that, leave it to the last minute. But when you are running a business, you've got responsibilities and duties to make sure that stuff like that is in order because that's the lifeblood of your business at the end of the day.
0: I mean, if you're you're smart, for example, let's say you go to London, you like going shopping. I love going down Bond Street. It's my favourite street. I love going to Alexander McQueen. Well, if I merge that with a seminar in the evening, now I have got a good portion of that time that's an offsetable business expense. So if you're smart with your time, you go on holidays, you go to fitness expos and you do a a speech out there. Now, a good part of that holiday, now you have to be really clear, you have to, you can't lie about what you're doing but if you go and stay for a week and go to a fitness expo for a couple of days and you go and do a few meetings and stuff yeah. like that all the subsistence for that is mm-hmm. offsetable yep and you've kind of merged it in with a trip yep so i mean a lot of your clothing yeah so yeah It's uh, but, being mindful of that yeah. too yeah 100 for sure all right yeah. cool i think we've i think we're just about done Awesome. I don't want to kick you off, but I'm interviewing the CEO of Netflix next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm punching above my weight twice <laughs> today. Um, anything you want to say to, to finish off? Well, why don't we let people know a bit more about us just quickly and where they can find our work? Because yeah. we haven't done that because some of my sure. followers or I know you and vice versa. a...
1: Fitness podcasts on iTunes and Spotify called the Fitness Entrepreneur Podcast. It's all about how fitness business owners can create money, impact, and freedom. Uh, there are a lot of normal businesses that listen to it as well. Businesses will this go outs- on that outside podcast? of it. Yep, it right. sure will. So we'll repurpose it, leverage. Okay. And uh, you can find me at phil-graham.com. And for the diabetes things, you can find on Amazon the Diabetic Muscle and Fitness Guide. DiabeticMuscleandFitness.com is where we have our our big community, and also Instagram and all the usual outlets, YouTube, and everything else. So. And and your handles are what? Just Phil Graham. Phil phil Graham01. If you just search Phil Graham, it'll come up straight away. And uh, yeah, the primary focus of our work is really helping fitness business owners simplify and scale gym owners, personal trainers, online coaches, and also as well, lead an inspiring life. I think that's a a big, big focus of ours. It differentiates us, is really looking at building a great life with the business, not just the business. It has to to merge in between. So
0: yeah, and what about yourself? Um, So Disruptive Entrepreneurs, my podcast. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Disruptive Entrepreneurs, my podcast. Um, You can find me on Amazon, search my name, Rob Moore, money, life leverage, start now, get perfect later, I'm worth more, I've written a few books. (laughs) Um, and then, yeah, my handles are Robmore Progressive on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, etc. Yeah. So um, go and have a little play with whatever you want that I have put out online. Awesome. And I just and want
1: to say a massive thank you for having pleasure. me on. Pleasure. You are doing great work in the field and I know Love how- the AP,
0: <laughs> Phil. <laughs> I,
1: know how, I know how much work goes into all this and how many lessons as well over the years. So I appreciate all the lessons and I'm a, an avid student, my man. Thank you. Thank you very, very thanks much. Thanks for coming
0: here today.